0: Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome to a brand new episode during the second half of Major League Baseball of Swings and Mishes. I'm your co-host and producer, Jeremy Taché, joined by Craig Mish as we head into the second half of Major League Baseball. Craig, how's it going with you on this fine Friday morning? Oh, I'm
1: doing well. Looking forward to watching a couple of games tonight. Marlins and Phillies, second half of the season gets underway And with a lot of questions, definitely going into the second half. So I'm excited to get it going and see where this takes us. And we'll get right into it
0: with those questions. Like you said, the Marlins and Phillies play a doubleheader today. The Marlins have 13 games before July 30th and the MLB trade deadline before the New York Yankees come to town. It's four in Philadelphia. Obviously the Phillies are in second place in that NL East three in Washington, the fourth place team in the NL East. So seven straight against division teams then home for four against San Diego and then two at Baltimore, one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball. That's 13 games total before the deadline. The Marlins are currently nine games back of first place in the NL East. Obviously, the wild card is sort of out of consideration with how great the NL West is. So that's where the Marlins need to catch up. They have seven straight against division opponents here, Craig. And the Atlanta Braves made a trade yesterday to look like buyers to acquire Jock Peterson, an outfielder from the Chicago Cubs, who we all know very well from uh, his years with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Craig, what are your thoughts about where the Marlins stand right now and what needs to happen over the next couple of weeks before this trade deadline on July 30th?
1: Yeah, there's a lot happening with the Marlins, and I think that the next few days are, are going to really determine their full course of action here. I I think that after this Philadelphia series and and Washington, they're going to have a much better idea as to, you know, kind of where they're at. As far as from what I'm hearing, it, it does seem like what everything that I've been saying the last couple of months or, you know, really the last month, I would say is that they really want to see this all the way through until the 30th before making any, any final decisions here. And I know that that's frustrating because, you want to kind of know where they're at one way or the other. I think I've made it pretty clear. I think I know where they're at. I think they need to move pieces for sure. But look, you you, you know, baseball is all about deadlines and it's all about making decisions at the very last minute. And I think that Miami still kind of holds out hope that they'll go 13 and zero in the next 13 games, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess anything is possible. So you have to leave that window open for it, but, You know, again, I'll I'll say this, it feels like I've said this now for weeks, is (laughs) that the the Braves, I I don't know where the Braves are at, but the Phillies and and the Mets are going to add players like Mm -hmm. Miami, the Marlins are going to, regardless of how they feel about their season, they're going to be fighting for the same assets at the trade deadline and those other teams are going to fight and so without some sort of epic 13-0 and run or 12-1 and run, and even with that, honestly, I, I think that Miami is probably at this point best served to start focusing in on 2022, mm. which means looking at the assets that they have and determining what they're worth. And they do have some really viable assets for some other teams. The team, this this club is flawed in 2021. I'm sorry to say they dug themselves a really big hole, but that's not to say there haven't been really good performances that they could build on for next right. year. So hopefully that is the case, but to me it it still goes all back to that pirate series where they that road trip where they lost three out of four they dug themselves yep. just a big hole, and to be ten games under five hundred and to look at the division as only being nine games out that's not the proper way to look at it because your team just isn't that good. Mm-hmm. So regardless, I mean you could still be five games under, but what are you playing for? I, I just I, I just hope that the realism kind of sinks in over the next week or two, barring some. Barring basically the best stretch of baseball in in Florida or Miami Marlins <laughs> history, like if that happens, let's have a different conversation. But a a five hundred or a nine and four, I mean, those things are just not good enough to stay in the race. And and I and I hope that that's what their vision is in a week or two. But right now, it's fair if if they want to hold out that 1% fan graphs hope or 0% fan graphs hope that they-
0: <laughs> you know there there's a fun memory that just popped into mind from a previous podcast of ours uh, specifically when you talk about going on a run and you know toward a, a trade deadline here it reminded me of when Brad Penny was on our podcast what probably a year year and a half ago now and he talked about the Marlins going on the road and going on a run that brought them back into the wildcard mix in 2003 and how all the fans then showed up at the stadium. And from there on out, it was this party. And I look at the Marlins and I go, OK, you know, they're out of it for all intents and purposes right now. Like you said, they're nine games back. Heck, if they would have just won those games against the Pirates, maybe we're having a very different style of conversation in terms yeah, of where the Marlins are at and where they're in it. But when you have seven straight games against division opponents here in a bunched up division, going something like six and one isn't just the benefit of, oh, we're creeping back toward the top. It's also we're hurting the teams in our division. So while it will take a miracle run here for the Marlins over these next, you know, 13 games if in the next five or six, you know, they're playing good ball, maybe at least those games against San Diego can be something to look forward to, which is all we really want, right, as it heads toward the deadline. But the realism is the most important part, understanding where the Marlins are at, at that trade deadline. Because like you mentioned, Craig, going into 2022, you can't have mortgaged an opportunity to be better next season for the slim chance of competing for the division this season. This season is... Whether we like it or not, they are 11 games under 500 right now. And so in turn, it has been a bit underachieving in terms of the record. And you can't leave yourself hung out to dry for next year with the slim hope of this season turning itself around.
1: Yeah. And and, and there's nothing wrong with that. They just have to learn and understand that they went into the season with somewhat of a flawed roster. And, uh, you know, you you can't really count on players coming back quickly from injuries and that's been a part of it too mm. but you 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 know look the, the atlanta braves and the phillies at one point and the mets i'll say it again and the nationals by the way have all mm-hmm. taken it in the gut and on the chin and and those teams have found a way to be better than miami i mean that's just mm. that's just the truth of the matter here but th- there's there's definitely a lot of building blocks for for 2022 and certainly and I, and I think that I would like to see some young players, like they did with Jesus Sanchez and move Dickerson, like I would like to see that happen also at first base too, and we can get into that as well. I'd, li- I'd like to mm-hmm. see some of that. And I, I think that the the organization is optimistic, maybe more optimistic than some others. And I wouldn't say it's to a fault because we have not been seen victim. We have not been a victim to that yet as fans and, and as media. We haven't, I haven't called them out and said wrong choice, but I assure you that when, um, that when the deadline comes, if they don't move players and they're still sitting seven games back or six right. or whatever it is that, that, that day will come. But um, you know, look, overall it was, you know, this week was a nice week to just kind of chill Uh, sit Mm. back the draft also this past week was was very compelling to see what they did there so we'll get into that as well but no doubt the the big league side for the next two weeks is very important to see what the results are
0: well and as as those next couple of weeks go on obviously what we've prefaced all of this with is the mlb trade deadline so as that trade deadline approaches the guy that we've been focusing that conversation around has been starling Marte, who You, Craig, have been on top of the Marte extension beat from the very beginning. You're the one who brought up the conversation. So where do things stand at the moment with Starling Marte and the Miami Marlins again as we approach the trade deadline?
1: Okay, so (laughs) yeah, so I mean, this, I I, I know that people are going to poke fun and I understand that, but this is part of doing what we're doing. This is the biggest story, I think, between now and the 30th to kind of see what happens with Marte. So Look, so they they offered him a contract extension back, I I think it was maybe a couple of weeks ago, which was right after he expressed his desire to stay. Mm -hmm. Now, a podcast ago, I had said that I was hoping that it wasn't due to me asking him and him saying that he wanted to stay, that that was the reason why they offered him a contract extension you know, and, and I, I don't know, it may have been because of that. I got it. I Mm. got it now, now that I'm sort of gathering enough information here and there, and I know that no one in the Marlins organization is going to, is going to admit that, but I'm, I'm sort of starting to think that based on a lot of the information that I've gotten, which to me, that's not right. You know, that, 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 that should have been done before Marte, you know, goes to what I go to Marte. I mean, I'm happy that that happened and it shows that they're interested in signing him, but um, that a large percentage on my percentage meter is leaning toward, <laughs> toward that being the case, so the, the offer that they made is is not going to be acceptable at this point. They they chose to use the the time off the last few days to talk a little bit more about it, and I believe they've gone back and forth. I'm not sure exactly where it stands, but Marte is, is going to want four four years. Marte is is probably going to get four years. In the offseason, and Miami does not appear willing to give Marte a four year contract. Mm. Uh, I, I'm not even certain that Miami is willing to give Marte a three year contract without like a two year with an option. I, I can't say that I'm certain on that as well at this point. So they have a couple of weeks to get it done. At this point, I can't say that anyone is optimistic. That this deal is going to get done, Marte has reiterated he would like to stay, but the feeling that I'm getting is is that the the Marte side, uh, the preference all along, even before the season and and will be after, is that to do, do negotiations in the off season, and that right. would have applied this past off season, and it will apply to the next off season, which is coming in October, November, December, etc. So. That being said, the Marlins are going to have to make a decision coming up here on the 30th, whether or not they choose to trade Marte or they just roll with him, hoping that they can get an extension done before the end of the year, or maybe even keep Marte and and, and offer him the qualifying offer and, and get that draft pick if, if he turns it down, which he will. So that is obviously not a smart move if they choose to go that direction. I believe that they should be trading him uh, on the 30th. It it just, it seems as though this is something that should have started a while ago. I, I don't, I don't think, I think there's just not enough time to get it done. And it's not a comfortable situation to have a player under a, a contract negotiation in season, so I think that you know, the last few days, I think that that was kind of going on where they're you know trying to figure it out. But they're but Jeremy, they're not, they're not getting anywhere close. Mm. And I and I don't think my the Marlins are going to step up and and pay what what Marte honestly is worth. I, I don't right. think that they are. They're going to do that. It's sad to say. So I would look for for him to be traded on the thirtieth. I'll continue to follow this along. I've, I've I've spoken personally and privately to starling a couple of different times. I want to make it clear that the last time that I spoke to him last week he expressed to me that at this point it's just kind of hey, let's see where they're at let's see if something gets done but but you know basically Craig we're just like not gonna do this conversation every day and and he right. didn't say that to me but if it, it felt like, exasperation like okay like like I I said what I had to say now it's time for them to decide if if I'm going to stay or not and if I'm not then I'll be traded so coming up next week in the Herald I'll have the teams that are interested in in Marte there definitely have been a lot of teams calling there's a couple in particular that I think that have a better chance than some others so when we get there next week, we will do that, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to still sort of explore yeah. what that pot, where, where those possibilities ex- exist at this point for Starling Marte. So I wish I had better news on that front. Unfortunately, I do not. And I, I think that Marte at this point is prepared to be traded on the 30th, barring again, some, you know, Marlins offer that I am not seeing at this point on the table. So that's, mm. that's the, Three-minute story on Starling Marte.
0: Oh man, and, and the frustration. So let me move past the side of for Marlins fans who are frustrated that that contract offer won't be there—the four-year deal or whatever is necessary. I don't think
1: so. I I don't think so, but but again, they they for the had, time I mean, being, <laughs> yeah. And and again, they they had not offered him any extension. And then he says that he wants to stay. And then all of a sudden, oh, there, here's an extension. Right. So look, maybe, maybe there, there's a chance of that. I personally don't think that's going to happen. I'll be wildly impressed if Miami goes to four years. But I think there's also a conversation to be had. Well, what does the AAV look like in a four-year mm-hmm. year deal too? I mean, the Marlins have to be careful of that as well. But I can tell you, again, where it stands right now, is is not close to where it's going to need to be and I also am of the opinion that while the Marlins have stepped up a little bit in terms of at least opening up the conversation they have not done nearly enough to put an offer in front of Marte that he is going to be willing to keep I mean it has got it has got to be more than than what they're or maybe or maybe they're not going to and this was just for 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 this podcast to talk about but but it is not close right now
0: at least it gave us content, huh? <laughs> no, we did. We got content I mean, out of it. But, but but very seriously, when you think about an extension for Marte and and, and just to, to advocate for the player in terms of what he's meant to this team, the steadiness of Starling Marte in your lineup, even when he's slumping, like we've seen Starling Marte through one of the biggest slumps we've seen with the Miami Marlins still be able to produce even in the midst of that worst slump. He's, you know, walking off with errors by the Dodgers because he's forcing the issue on the base pads. He's a tremendous center fielder and the Marlins will not be the same team without him. So I am intrigued to see the plan. If he is out the door, who's going to play center field and and where it's going to go from there, because that could lead to an, in August and September that, you know, have some question marks in center field, unless it's Duval every day, I guess. Um, but, but moving past the Starling Marte conversation, Craig, if, if, if we can do that at the moment, unless you have, I guess
1: guess I'll just, I'll just, the only thing that I'll add is is my commentary a little bit on this at the end. Mm -hmm. If you said, well, you know, what, what's the best course of action? What should they do? What would you do if you were in their shoes? Right. Look, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. And I'm glad that I don't have to make that call. The only thing that I would tell you is that it would be foolish to, to be stubborn At the end of the month, and say, "Oh, let we think we're going to be able to get him done before the end of the year. We're going to roll the dice. We're going to roll the dice here and see, and and see if we can get him done before the end of the year. And and that's where that would be really, really foolish to do. And 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 you know, playing for that potential draft pick for I mean, I mean, look, look at the draft picks the Marlins just had in that comp pick, the kid that they took. You're not going to see for what three, four years, high school catcher, and he may be very good, but we're not going to see him for years." Mm-hmm. So you have got to move this guy at the end of the month. If you do not have an extension, that's all I got to say. I'm done with it. I'm in
0: a whole uh, full hearted agreement with Craig here, just in terms of the timeline starts next season. Like we, people expect the Marlins to start competing in a real way to at least be near a playoff team again, next season. And if you lose Starling Marte for a player that will not contribute for years that is not something that is helping you organizationally. You have to understand where your window is at. And so it should either be extension by the 30th or a trade by the 30th. Absolutely. I'm in I'm in total agreement Absolutely. with you there. It, that's the only course of action, at least, at least in my mind. Um, and I and obviously I know you feel the same way, Craig. As we approach the trade deadline, are there other names, are there other Marlins that that have been linked to anybody that are that are out there that we should be thinking about at the moment? Or is it just the sort of general, hey? You know who the veterans are on this team, you know who the guys are who produce, and you see who could fit in with some of these teams who are competing.
1: Unlike the Diamondbacks and unlike the Orioles and the Tigers and the Rockies, who the Marlins by the and, and the Rangers, who the Marlins are just above, by the way. Yep. The Better Marlins than all of them. Are, are not entertaining those same sort of trade talks right now. Again, going back mm-hmm. to what we talked about in the first 10 minutes. This is the organization of eternal optimism in thinking that they're going to, you know, maybe go 12-1 or 13-0 and and they're going to become buyers. So right I now it. <laughs> it is just a listening process at this point. There is really nothing serious to discuss in terms of players or trades or anything else. Of course, in a week or two from now, right. we're going to have a lot more clarity. But the one issue that I see that they need to resolve is when they traded Sergio Romo a couple of years ago to the Minnesota Twins and they acquired Lewin Diaz, I I think we all knew that there was going to have to be development, especially on offense with Diaz. His defense is many people feel inside and out gold glove caliber. So that's really good news. And by the way, probably passable at a big league level, even if the bat isn't altogether there because his defense is so good, if you are building and have some other building blocks on the team at shortstop, at second base, in the outfield, if you have some other sluggers, you can pass with, with Lewin, if, even if he is not an all-star batter at at this point in 2021. He's had a great year. Uh, not a great year. I don't want to say that because some of the external numbers are not great, but it, it looks like his power has come along. I'll say that at triple a but when they were when this trade happened two years ago i was i was told wow this is this is a you know game changing trade and you're gonna see that we pulled it off have you looked at him in spring training have you seen these at bats have you seen these plate appearances this is a potential first baseman of the future if i'm not mistaken uh, don mattingly uh, through a carlos delgado comparison Mm -hmm. on lewin diaz who nobody agreed with at the time but again (laughs) like you you're you're hearing a potential big league starting player maybe even an all-star and i'm not poking fun at donnie but it's just he's not going to be carlos delgado who is 400 home run first baseman all-star type player but he could be very good so what are we doing here what are we doing here if if that is the case we are waiting way too long to see Lewin Diaz play every single day. And the reason why is because they have two players right now that are on the big league roster that are at first base that virtually cannot play anywhere else in both Jesus Aguilar and Garrett Cooper. Uh, Cooper does physically play right field, (laughs) but but does not play it well and should not be in right field. And anytime he is out there, you're also risking an injury with a six foot five type player and and you see it with Stanton and you see it with judge and you see with and all these big dudes in the outfield they get hurt they get hurt Jose Canseco for many years maybe a bad comp but gets hurt the big guys (laughs) get hurt in the outfield and so because of that and and because there was no designated hitter I'm giving the Marlins that mulligan in April and May and June like I'm I was I'm willing to say right now that they they were they, I'm okay with how this transpired because again they kind of got blindsided a little bit like everybody else they were holding out hope for the DH but as of July 16th with 11 games under there's almost no excuse anymore like you have got to give Lewin Diaz 2 to 3 solid months in the big leagues to know if you can go into 2022 with him as the starting first baseman or at the very least a platoon first baseman yep and he has a, he has still a little bit more development. I think that is the case. But why have they developed guys previously at the big league level and they have chosen not to with him? It doesn't really add up. They chose to bring in Jesus Sanchez now. They did it with Harrison. They did it with Brinson. They did it with Ison Diaz. It is time now for Leywin Diaz to play. And the only reason why he's not is because he has two guys blocking him. So what does that all mean? they've got to move one of the two first basemen out by the 30th of July. They have, if not both, they have got to trade either Aguilar or Cooper and, and Leywin Diaz against right-handed pitching in August and September has got to play, has got to get a hundred or 200 plate appearances. So we know going into next year, what he is. And you may not know in Jeremy in September, September is right. not a great month to call up guys. The Marlins are going to be playing Maybe a lot of meaningless baseball is very Mm -hmm. possible. And then what? You go into next year thinking September was good? Can't have that. So Cooper or Aguilar to me is is definitely a possibility. And then you could just take every single player in the bullpen right now and be under the assumption that teams are going to be calling about them. I don't have any other specific information regarding teams, players, or anything else. But the the one position that needs to be rectified is that first base position so for me, in my opinion, with no information at this point, uh, Aguilar or Cooper, they have to sit down in the room, you know, chop it up, put them mm-hmm. on the whiteboard, look at the video, go over the last few years and say who are we trading on the thirtieth because we gotta call Lewin Diaz up and we gotta play him. We gotta know mm-hmm. if he's something for next year. The end. Yeah,
0: learning about Lewin Diaz is important in the second half. I mean, w- with what we've learned about Jazz Chisholm Jr. and what we've learned about Jesus Sanchez so far in the real competition, because it's it's important, like you mentioned, how many of the other names that you just mentioned and Ethan Diaz and Lewis Brinson and Monte Harrison and, and some of these other guys who came up and were sort of forced to develop against big league players Did we see play pretty well in September, but nowhere else? Because September is a different ball game in Major League Baseball. And so you're right. I want to make sure you see Lewin Diaz maybe here at the end of July, throughout August, while there's still important baseball being played and teams aren't coasting because... You need to learn about these building blocks of the future to figure out, okay, what positions do we have stability at moving forward in this build? I think you can feel confident about either second base or shortstop, regardless of whatever you think jazz is. And I I'm of the belief. Jesus Sanchez has proved something to me here in this season, but moving forward, you need to see the guys like Diaz and maybe we should be grateful he's had a little more time to develop at the minor league level. Like you mentioned, you know, Brinson and Harrison and Diaz who were sort of forced to play at the big league level due to lack of depth floundered and maybe this helps Diaz in the long run, but now it's, it's enough sort of sitting around and waiting. You, you want to see what you have in him.
1: Yeah. And, and again, the other positions as, as time goes on, we'll get into, we'll see what their thought process is. And of course, I'll ask all those questions on what their thought process is Mm -hmm. for for those trades they'll probably reveal very, very little but that's that's what i'm here to do is is to kind of sift through that and and figure it out so we'll see what they what they choose to do and what they choose not to do but i'm i'm hopeful that they see some of this the same way where where diaz needs to get an opportunity to play and as you mentioned with jesus sanchez has he been perfect no has he been great no, but do you see something there mm-hmm. that, that could be a starter that could be developed a little with a full spring training? And a, yes, I I do think that yeah. there is a chance of that. We don't know, but we're learning. <laughs> we're right, finding exactly. out right now. Let's do, the, let's do the same thing at first base. That's exactly.
0: all. Exactly, exactly. Well, and so now let, let's take a second here before we wrap up to talk about some of these young guys that were added to the organization through the MLB draft um, over last weekend. It seemed nationally like a A uh, very good draft for the Miami Marlins. Um, Everyone seemed very excited about the players. They added, obviously, Khalil Watson, the shortstop with the first pick, um, who seemingly, based off all the scouting, slipped quite a bit for the Marlins. Obviously, they drafted Joe Mack and Cody Morissette, Jordan McCants. Craig, what are you hearing back from the Marlins in regards to their past MLB draft and how they're feeling about this one?
1: Yeah, both inside and out the the draft the the marlins drafts of the last three years probably 2019 yeah. 2021 20, all seem to be very well organized thought out and executed I, I, look i mean they, they're they're everyone is grading their drafts every year after they're done very yep. highly and it's not to say that you can miss on a guy like i don't think anybody expected jj to to struggle as much as he has but that's like another part of the equation that's up to mm-hmm. the player the player has to take it upon himself he's got to be developed a little bit i i'm i'm not going to say that that blade is a bust by any means he's had a tough year he hasn't seen big league pitching he actually looked pretty good in spring training looked better in spring training than he yeah. has this year in in the minors so yeah th- they're getting very high accolades again this time around which which is not surprising no. they 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 really the organization has this part of the process down pat i really do believe that i i think that this is part of of a very solid group of people who know what they're doing, who work really hard at it and, and and good job by the Marlins organization in that sense. Now in terms of the players this year, what's really amazing is, is, you know, going into some of my off the record conversations that I had about players and possibilities, uh, you know, Watson, I was told going in, Khalil Watson going into the draft was a no chance For the Marlins, he would not get to uh, where the Marlins were at. So to see him available at that point was incredible. Now, in in some of my follow ups with other people around baseball, the same reason the Marlins took him is the same reason that that other teams did not, where there were conversations had previous to where the Marlins took him, that other teams thought that after that conversation in that four minute clock, that they thought that they could not sign him. So hmm. what changed with Miami, as opposed to some of the other teams, that's not a conversation that I'm privy to. So I don't know. We're going to find out in the next couple of weeks, because this deadline is, I believe, in August. It's coming up mm-hmm. very soon. I don't I don't think that they have months to get a guy signed. I think it's like weeks to get a guy signed now. So they have definitely some work to do. Kimming met with the media very briefly after the draft and said that it was not going to be a standard signing and that they were hopeful that they could get a deal done. Was I mm-hmm. surprised to hear that? Sure. I thought that this would have been a, absolutely, we're going to get it done. And right. and I did not get that vibe, but I still have to believe that if you're going to take that player in that spot after other teams have passed on them for the same reasons, then you have to feel that you're smarter than everybody else. So mm-hmm. I am going to be on the positive side of this for now and assume that before the third, the the deadline is up to sign the player that Watson will be part of the Marlins. This is the amazing part. They went in knowing that the Joe Mack was the catcher that they wanted. So incredible. So, so that's who they ended up with. I was not surprised with that pick. Uh, The the infielder from Boston college, Morissette was exactly who they wanted. and Mm. That's who they took too. So I, I mean, I, I gotta say, I was really when I saw some of the players come off the board, I was like, "Wow, like this plan is—they nailed it." (laughs) Yeah, like this plan is getting executed. And then some of the later round picks were really interesting as well. Mm -hmm. There, there was a player very late to go in the draft that was was playing like not even in this country. They don't have a lot of information on him, and he was scouted elsewhere. Uh, It was. I forget what the what the name. It was a really interesting story. One of their uh, later round picks, where they where they took them. Um, Noah Williams. Noah well, Williams.
0: Yeah, from from
1: Everett Community College. Sorry, I yeah, was uh... he played in in <laughs> Slovakia for the Swiss national team, and 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 they really just didn't have a lot of background. And it's a Love it's that. like a slim chance that something like this can work out, but. I think they're really excited with some of these late Mm. picks and some of the early picks. And look, there are a lot of people who are more educated on this than me, but I can tell you that what's so impressive is that is, and again, when I'm told like, okay, like, you know, off the record, like here are some of the names or here are some of the players that are potentially being looked at uh, from the organization And when some of the agents that are representing these players, when I speak to them, yeah, we've heard from the Marlins. And then they take those guys. I'm like, wow, like they ended up getting who they (laughs) sort of wanted here. So again, uh, we'll we'll have to see, but it's all about Watson. Let's be honest. In the first round, they got to sign him. That's what's going to make the draft boomer bust. And assuming they do, then we can start evaluating the talent there but but a plan that was well thought of well executed again for them two players from 2020 in the futures game on Sunday like right. i mean i don't know what else there is to say they they have this part of the organization down they got to get the rest
0: yeah, I mean, it's uh it's cool to see the Marlins adding so many highly touted players to that farm system where I think it was Fish Stripes last week who who released an article basically saying there could be seven different guys or, you know, five or six different guys within the organization who could easily be touted as number one prospect within the organization because there's just so much raw talent there now with Watson and Cabrera and Meyer and Eater and, and blade and all these guys within the organization. But obviously, until you start seeing them at the major league level, you know, the questions can still remain. But I, I particularly just with strategy with the draft, something I, I really liked was that you saw all these high school kids with sort of the high ceilings drafted early by them. And then a run of like college blue blood programs that, you know, you know, just a number of guys who played at South Carolina and Alabama and, you know, UCLA and all these these schools that you know, traditionally have been baseball powerhouses. And so it just makes you feel comfortable, even if it's not, you know, th- there's so little that that you and I can know we're not DJ's Felix sitting there scouting in the same way. So just to see the comfort of, of some of these bigger programs always always yeah, is yeah uh, and, and, nice and again addition. with
1: me like there there are so many smarter people out there than I am with evaluating the draft people are asking me like how do you think they did how do you think they did well what I do is I look at what everybody else said you know? yeah like, <laughs> I, I don't know the answer I'm just basically going off everybody this is not something that's tangible for me I didn't see these mm-hmm. kids play but I could tell you two things that make me think they do a good job which has happened now three straight years number one they go in there with a plan there are some players that I hear in terms of names. We're going to get this guy, number one, and they do. Yep. So that tells me that the plan was executed. That's number one. Number two, I read the reports from everybody else after the draft is over, and they all have the Marlins getting a B, B plus, A, A minus, uh, you know, and then what do I do? I say, well, they must have done well. If, if the industry thinks they did well, they must have. So if, if the group think is all the same, who am I to say that they did poorly? But again, this draft in particular is all predicated on signing this kid. Like that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) make no mistake about it. That's that's that is the draft, because when you when you stake everything on making sure that gets done, it's going to have to. So that's another another story that we'll have to follow here over the next couple of weeks. Fun. We got we got a lot to cover the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, everybody, uh, make sure that you're tuning into our episodes over the next couple of weeks, because this will be a lot of information for you. And by next week, we will have a new uh, presenting sponsor for you guys to check out. So, you know, Good. keep an eye on that one. That'll be fun. Um, But Craig, as we head into this doubleheader this afternoon with the Phillies and a four-game series, seven-game road trip, all this coming out into the second half, any last thoughts as we... Sort of begin this 13 game sprint by the Marlins to try to make something happen before July 30th.
1: A lot of fans listen to this. If you're a fan of the Marlins, totally cool. I thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Hopefully, for your sake, they go 13 and 0 or 12 and 1 or 11 and 2 or whatever <laughs> is the case. But keep in mind, be realistic, try to be impartial, try to understand where things are moving forward. Your eyes have not deceived you from watching since April. Mm. The team is mediocre, if not worse, at best. They're going to need an epic run here to stay in it the next two weeks. It is highly unlikely because they have not had an epic run over the entire season. And hopefully, you uh, can see, as a fan, you can sort of see through this and understand where they need to go uh, come July 30th. And hopefully that builds for 2022, because as I've said a million times before, when the Marlins are good, it makes this podcast good. More people Mm -hmm. listen, more people want to advertise. We have a vested interest in the team's success because it means our success, too. But as always, we're going to keep it real. And with that, have a great weekend, Jeremy.
0: Yeah, thanks, Craig. And uh, Swings and Mishes fans, enjoy this weekend of Marlins baseball and the beginning of the series. Next week with the Washington Nationals, we will be back next week to be discussing the trade deadline, Khalil Watson and his possible signing, and everything moving forward with the Marlins. Um, For now, continue to support us by following at Swings and Mishes on Twitter, and subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast. Thank all of you, and have a really wonderful weekend.